0: Welcome to the Well SGV podcast. We exist to multiply followers of Jesus rooted in the gospel who worship, walk, and witness to God's glory. Here's our message for the week. Okay, well, we welcome all of you, and it's uh, such a joy to just have our uh, second week of the Well. Uh, we are a brand new church plant, and uh, it's just amazing to see uh, God's grace, His work. Uh, in our church, our young church here, and to see what God is doing and uh, the way he wants to really uh, fill us and use us for his purpose, his glory. So uh, we just sincerely welcome all of you and uh, celebrate uh, God's grace and Christ together. Um, With that, I'm going to ask you to join me in the word of prayer. And uh, there's some things I'm going to just pray about as well. Uh, But I ask you to really just uh, pray that God would open up Uh, our hearts, that uh, we would be able to receive his word and uh, just be shaped into the kind of people that he wants us to become. So uh, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, it is a great joy to uh, gather together as your people here at the well. Thank you, Lord, that by your grace, um, through the finished work of Jesus, we come to you and we offer our praises, but not just our lips and our praises, but we offer our very lives to you. They belong to you. And so, Lord, we pray that you be honored uh, through our lives. Uh, God, thank you for this gathering this morning. And thank you that we can just come before you in, in worship of who you are. Lord, we. Uh, remember that we are just one small part of your great kingdom, and that there are uh, other churches, many other churches in this area. Um, and we ask, Lord, that you would put your grace and your blessing upon the churches in this community, that they may be effective and fruitful in proclaiming the gospel, that disciples will be made. Uh, Lord, I think about one church in particular that we're in partnership with down in Torrance, Momentum Christian Fellowship. Uh, They are a young church plant themselves, uh, maybe just one, one and a half years old. Uh, I ask, Lord, for your blessing to be upon Momentum, their pastor, uh, Byron, the people there. Uh, Lord, may that church really multiply and increase for your glory, uh, Lord, we also pray uh, right now as we think about those in Maui, and here uh, this island is, it's uh, been devastated by fires, and lives have been lost, and uh, there's just uh, so much grief and uh, grieving that's happening right now in, uh, for that island, and it's an island that I know several of us have visited in the past, have enjoyed uh, your creation there. Uh, Lord, we just ask that only what you can do, Lord, you can bring beauty out of ashes. Uh, this is who you are. You can bring beautiful redemption out of something that, that just seems uh, just, uh, d- just terrible and that, that was destructive. But Lord, you are the God of all redemption. So would you bring about hope in the people of Maui? Would you even bring about a greater sense of hope in who you are because of this? Lord, we ask you to open our hearts to your word and speak to us. Lead us, we pray. Uh, Lord, help us to see your loving purposes in all that you do in our lives and through our church. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a math lesson for you. I know that you don't like to be in school when you're at church, but uh, I'm going to just kind of introduce this math lesson. But do you guys remember in geometry class in that axiomatic truth, the shortest distance between two points is what? (laughs) That's been a while, right? I think I heard it. But the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, right? Straight line. And uh, this is a very, very simple axiomatic truth that we all learned maybe many years ago, right? Uh, but that holds true. If I want to walk the straightest path from here to, let's say, that guitar, right? I'm not going to do one of these things. I'm going to find the most direct route the, from point A to point B to this guitar. It is a straight line, Right? If I am going to go on a trip and I punch in a destination that I'm not familiar with, I will take my Maps app out on my iPhone, right? And I punch in the destination and the Map app will tell me the most direct route or it'll give me different options in terms of time, distance, all that, and I will choose the shortest distance. Uh, This is how it works. Now... If you apply that same truth to life, we apply that a lot of times in different situations. You may think, for example, college, point A, I'm studying, I have a career destination in mind, these are things I'm going to do, I get this terrific internship, I gain valuable experience, I graduate, and then this company hires me. give me this valuable uh, opportunity, responsibility to prove myself. I grow through that. My superiors or the bosses, they recognize that. They promote me to greater opportunities, so forth, until finally you get to the point of retirement and you're fine. Or you think about maybe that you are single. You come to the well. You find someone of who loves the Lord right? They're compatible. There are, uh, you both love the Lord together. You are finding that there is great uh, mutual ways that you guys are growing. So you go out, you date, you get to know each other, you meet each other's parents, the par- parents bless you, and then before you know it, you're married, and then you have 2.2 kids in the future, right? several grandchildren, you retire in Hawaii somewhere, right? or celebrate your 60th anniversary in Hawaii, something like that. That's point B. Now, in our mind's eye, this is how life should work. Right? It should work very smoothly, very directly. The, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And this is how we oftentimes carry our expectations into our lives. Now, life would be very sweet if it worked out that way. But we know that life does not work out that way. We know that there are many ditches, unexpected detours, there are seeming dead ends Uh, There are all kinds of zigzags, there's all kinds of things that completely go against our expectations of what life should be like. And this should not surprise us. If you look at all the characters in the Bible, you look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, if you look at Moses, David, any of these characters... Uh, you will find that their lives were oftentimes marked by a, maybe a series of promises, but that God took them around a series of various detours, zigzags, and all kinds of unexpected barriers and ditches to get them to point B. This is what the Bible is filled with. I think the point that I want to make with you today is really simple. And that is that the shortest distance between two points in God's perspective is not a straight line, but it is a zigzag. It is, it is a series of detours, ditches, and seeming dead ends. That is the shortest distance in God's perspective for you and I, our lives, and as well as our church. The classic example that we just read here in the Exodus chapter 13 is the nation of Israel. And as they are leaving Egypt, the context of Exodus 13 is that after the time of Joseph, Israel is enslaved by Egypt for the next 400 years. And they're crying out, to the Lord for deliverance. Finally, the Lord raises up Moses to be the deliverer. And Moses is going to lead them out of Egypt into then the promised land. But it's not so simple. There's a series of 10 plagues that's done against Egypt, against Pharaoh. Finally, Pharaoh lets him go and then they're released and then they start heading towards their journey to the promised land, to this destination. Now, Here's a map. So they're being led out of Egypt here, and if you look at the route of the Exodus, you can see that the Promised Land, right to um, to the upper right hand corner, the shortest distance would have been to go directly along the Mediterranean Sea. But instead, God leads them all the way down and kind of makes this circle, and then eventually they make their way to the promised land, about 40 years later. Now, why? Well, the clue, the key, is really found in the text itself. Look at verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, It said that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, let the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. And then he adds in verse 18, but God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, the opposite direction of where they're supposed to actually head. Again, verse 17 says, lest the people change their minds when they see war and they return to Egypt. Now, the shortest path from Egypt to the promised land Again, would have been along the Mediterranean Sea, right there along the coast. But it's very clear that if God had led the Israelites along that path, that they would have been going directly right into Philistine army, stronghold territory. They would have looked at that, they would have been completely intimidated. Forget this. There's no way. I changed my mind. I'm going to turn back where it was maybe not great, but at least I had meals. At least I was maybe relatively safe. I didn't sign up for this kind of stuff. God knew that. And this road, the most direct path, would have led them right into the Philistine territory where they, the Philistines had advanced military training and weaponry. And there's no way that they would have been able to be equipped to stand against those forces. They are just a young nation that's just being formed, and it would have required them to do heavy battle, and they would have probably taken many, many casualties in the process. But God knew that it wasn't just simply the military preparation experience and training that they needed. God knew that beyond that, that they needed spiritual training, they needed to be trained in their faith, and that was a more important training. Had God not led them by the route of the Red Sea, they would have never experienced the miraculous deliverance, the parting of the Red Sea. They would have never seen that, the supernatural power, salvation of God on their, in their, on their behalf. They would not experience the provision of the manna and the water from the rock. And they would not experience how God daily provides for their needs in the wilderness, in that journey. They would have never seen that. And so they would have never really grown to see that their greatest hope and their greatest need is God himself. See, God was seeking to... Grow their faith and their trust, but it would take time. And it would take a series of zigzags and detours in order for them to experience the power of God. I want to share that in my life as a whole, as I look back since the day that I decided to follow Jesus about 35 years ago, and then to see the macro picture of what God has done, my life has been a series of zigzags. And I've often wondered why. Like why going from here to there to there? But God has brought me full circle back here in the San Gabriel Valley. And this church plant um, is a plant that God had put in my heart all the way back in 2018. 2018. 2018, what is this? Now it's five years, right? Is it five years? If I'm doing my math correctly. <laughs> but for five years, I've been praying. All, just about every single day for this plant. For five years. And I want to show you something. Uh, this is a card that I made out back in 2018. A prayer card. 2018. And on this card, one of the items that I put down here was, Lord Lord willing, that a a church would be planted in the fall of 2020. So I prayed that for two years. Um, We went through weekly prayer meetings. We gathered, called everyone in the church to come pray. Let's pray about this. Um, we had workshops, seminars, we had different speakers come talk about church planting. We had all of that. Um, We had lots of dialogues, all kinds of things. And even at one point, we had, you could say, kind of, it looked like we had pretty much, okay, all the pieces are in place from leadership to the congregation, everything looks good. And then we hit a barrier, and then we hit another barrier. And even some people that I had been talking with about co-planting, so there were even two other pastors that we were meeting together with to talk about, let's do this together, and for various reasons, one by one, it didn't work out. As I look back, though, I am immensely grateful that God did not give this and did not allow this to happen back when I was praying. Shortly after, of course, in 2020, you all know what happened, right? Something very unexpected that would not just affect us, that would affect the entire world, COVID. And uh, at that point, everything pretty much just shut down. All the planters that I knew that were planting in 2020, and these were people from even around the world that I I was on calls with, I mean, they they had no idea what to do, right? Uh, Some of those plants, they kind of survived. Some of them didn't. But through this whole process, I see a couple things happening. I think in my life, in my heart, I think God had to teach me how to deal with disappointments. Uh, how to deal with setbacks that when things don't happen in the way that I had hoped, that I had prayed, the way I had envisioned, and even when sometimes there's um when there are real barriers against that. What does it mean tr- to really trust God? What does it mean to lean upon the Lord? And then in that time, in the past couple years, uh, when I thought there were times that I thought, this is dead in the water. Just, I, I, I just give up. I mean, there are times I just felt like I just give up. And yet to see the ways that God has kind of raised and revived these things back from the dead in my heart and it cemented the conviction at a stronger level, it's his resurrection power to do that. But then to see several of you, and to see that journey, and to see what God did to, in a sense, ferment this calling in your lives as well. I'm convinced that if we had planted back in 2020, um, several of you would not be here. I think God had to, to, in a sense, cement and ferment this sense of calling in several of us, and it took time to do that. And by God's grace, we're meeting here at this time. I look back, and honestly, my heart is filled with praise and gratitude as I marvel at God's sense of timing, his wisdom, his power, the way he brings people, the way he calls, the way he puts things together. This is, when I say that this is, Uh, an act of God's grace, this is just not some spiritual cliche I'm throwing out to you. This is, I know, I see what God has done. This is completely the result of his grace and power. And what seemed like detours were just simply part of God's greater plan to prepare us as he keeps preparing us. Now, when you go through these things in your life, which you will, you will be tempted to doubt God's goodness, and you will be tempted to question, does God care? Is God involved in my life? I'm in this ditch. I'm in this detour. Like, what is happening? I had all these hopes. I had all these dreams. What is happening? And I want to share with you two encouraging truths, I think, from this passage for you and I. One is that God will always be faithful to fulfill his promises to us. God will always be faithful to fulfill his promises to us. Look at verse 19. Verse 19, it says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. Now, Picture your, in your mind that as Moses is leading this group of Israelites out of Egypt, how big is this group? About two million people. And as these two million people are on their way out of Egypt, at the front of this massive procession are, is Moses. He's, he's leading the way. But then you can imagine behind Moses are these men who are carrying this coffin. And this coffin is, contains Joseph's bones. And you can almost picture as if there's some young boy, 12 years old, looking at the front of this procession, saying, God, what is that at the front? And the father telling the boy, well, Those are the bones of Joseph, son of Jacob. And why are they carrying his bones? Well, son, it's because Joseph had made his promise that uh, when we get to the promised land, that we would take his bones with him. Back in Genesis chapter 50, verse 25. Joseph envisioned by faith that they would not be in Egypt. Joseph envisioned before he passed away that his people would one day be back into the land of Canaan, into the promised land. And his bones would serve as a constant reminder that God is always faithful to what he promises. God always delivers on his word. We know the story of Joseph. Joseph rose to prominence as the second highest behind Pharaoh in Egypt. But he did not get there through a straight line. God gave Joseph a dream, a vision in which his brothers would bow down, in which he would be in this position of rulership. But what happened? Well, first he got betrayed by his own brothers, sold to a band of Midianite traders on their way. Then he gets hired by Potiphar, but then Potiphar's wife accuses him of sexual assault, of rape, falsely accusing him. He gets thrown into prison for several years, and in prison, he actually helps to interpret dreams of his fellow inmates, uh, a cupbearer and a baker, but they forget all about him when when one of them succeeds, and so he's still left languishing in prison, and so he goes through all this before, finally, then, God, at the right time, fulfills on the dream that he gave to Joseph. But his life was all about learning to trust God along the way in his timing, in his purposes. And by the end of Joseph's life, in Genesis 50-20, while he's uh, with his brothers, and his brothers are scared of him, What's he going to do to us now that he's in such high command? He could, do, he, could like, he, he could completely put us away at this point. But God had done such a deep spiritual work in Joseph's life that instead of being bitter towards his brothers, instead of uh, just saying, you, know, you betrayed me and I'm going like, to pay you back for that, he says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive. God had, over all those years and the series of trials that Joseph went through, had so deepened his faith, his perspective in who God is, and what he was doing in his life to deepen his trust in God's purposes, that he could let go of deep bitterness. He did not allow it to consume him. He could resist that evil and that temptation, and he could say, this is God's doing, This is God's purposes in my life in order that my life should be a blessing to you and to many people. This is the overarching purpose of God and what he's trying to accomplish. This is Joseph. It took time. And whatever you're going through, this is God's faithfulness to you as well. That he's going to to complete that work that he has begun in you. And be faithful to his promises. But the second thing is this. God promises his, his presence and his provision. His presence and his provision. Look at verse 21 to 22. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people the pillar of cloud and the fire was really a visible representation of the invisible God to the Israelites. But it was also very practical. The, the cloud would serve as a form of protection from, uh, from heat, sunstroke, pestilence, all kinds of things. So there was practical value as well. But the pillar of fire by night would also serve as a guide for the Israelites. So they never, had to, they never lacked clear direction on their lives, on where to go. God would clearly lead them through this pillar. It was, you could say, God's flashlight, if you will, for the nation of Israel. And it served as God's certain presence to be with his people and to lead them. Now, we don't have this pillar in our lives today, but instead we have better things, In fact, there are three things I want to mention to you. One is we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts, Romans 8, 15, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. We have something even better than just a cloud, a pillar. We have the indwelling Spirit. And through prayer, we can experience God's presence and His leadership over our lives. We experience intimacy with God through prayer, and His Spirit does lead us. But second, we have God's word, and God's word is what gives us our wisdom, it's our guide, it's our authority, it's the complete direction for our lives. Psalm 119 says that his word is a lamp unto our feet, and it's a light to our path. We never have to be confused about our purpose, our direction, individually, as well as the church, we have God's word. And so we look to God's word for continual direction and for authority. And then we have the church family. It's a family of believers. This community of faith, the body of Christ, God's family, God has gifted us with one another so that we are able to speak truth into each other's lives We need the encouragement, the support, the accountability that the church provides. This is a gift to guide our lives. Uh, Fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, praying for each other, praying over one another. These are things that God uses to give us his sense of presence, his direction. And this is all possible because of Christ himself. Finally, and ultimately, it's the gospel. This is possible because Christ came. The Israelites, they had to look at this cloud. But Jesus comes down to us, and he meets us. He came down, took on this flesh, came to this world. He lived this perfect life. He went to the cross, and he paid the debts for our sins on the cross, the debt that that we could never repay, that would have required eternity in hell. This is God's justice, his right justice and judgment against us. And yet he paid the price for us. And Jesus rose again from the dead. And now he's exalted at the right hand of God. And Christ leads us not just simply in a physical exodus, But he leads us in a far greater exodus, a spiritual exodus, out of death, spiritual death, the debt of our sin, the the death that sin brought into our lives. And he promises us something better than a piece of land. He promises us his kingdom, to inherit his kingdom, eternity, eternal life. And he promises that in this life here, that this gospel will be the power and the sufficiency that we need for all things. Through your union with Christ, God promises he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We will never be left to ourselves. His presence is the most assuring thing that we have in our lives. This is the greatest gift that God gives to us. Christ did not succumb to the easy road. He did not take the easy path, even though it was offered to him by Satan. He went the hard path of being tried, of being tempted, of being scorned all the way to the cross. This was a path of Jesus. And yet God raised him from the dead and brought him out into glory. And you and I, brothers and sisters in Christ, are called to walk along that same path as Jesus walked we will be tried, we will be tempted, we will be mocked, and we will be scorned. There will be all kinds of things that come against us because this is the path of Jesus himself all the way to the cross. In this life, it's the way of the cross. And then God brings about his glory and his resurrections as we learn to die to ourselves, take up our cross every single day, and then to follow him. This is what it means to be led by God himself. As a church plant, we will have our shares of detours, and we will have our shares of ditches, and we will have our shares of seeming dead ends, barriers, hindrances. But rather than seeing these as hindrances or barriers, let's see God's purpose in them. Let's see what God is doing. Let's wait upon the Lord. Let's see His timing. Let's see His purpose. Let's let God deepen our faith, our trust in him through this. In your life, when you're confused about where things are, and you're wondering, why am I in this detour? Remember that God in his infinite wisdom knows the right goals for your life, the right destination, and how to get there. And let your life be filled with repentance and trust. Repenting of false idols, false hopes, false saviors, and putting my trust in the real Savior, in the real Lord. Pray in the Spirit. Be in God's word and let the church shape you. These are God's gifts to lead us and to guide us. I'm going to invite you right now as we come uh, to this portion of our service, I want to invite you to respond to the Lord. And the way that we're going to do this is there's a number of ways that when God speaks his word, there's a number of things that take place in our hearts. When God speaks in his word, we trust that God's word is that his spirit is uh, speaking directly to each one of us, And the appropriate responses to his word and his truth and his spirit is maybe confession of sin, repentance, what area of my life am I lacking trust, what area of my life do I need to entrust to the Lord to hand over in greater obedience and faith, Uh, it's praise, it's thanksgiving. Uh, There's a number of ways to respond to the Lord. Another way to respond is through what we call the Lord's table, communion. So uh, the way that we're going to do this too is as the Lord leads you to feel free to come up and partake of these elements. Uh, as the Lord prompts you to come before the Lord to, to say, Lord, I remember the cross once again. I remember that you have purchased, the, purchased me from the dead of my sin and my life belongs to you. So you're welcome to come as you are prepared and ready to do that. But let's go ahead and just come before the Lord, and uh, let's just really, um, let's respond to him. Let's let him lead us. Father, we thank you, God, uh, that your word is living and active, and Lord, we are appointed to Christ, and Lord, I pray that you would help us, uh, each one of us, uh, that whatever we're facing, wherever we're at, Lord, that we would learn to give our lives completely to you and trust. So, Lord, would you uh, speak to us? um, Would you lead us by your Spirit now? Lord, I pray that you would uh, just begin to reveal, but then, Lord, let our hearts be led to praise and worship of who you are. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love to hear from you and help you take one step closer to Jesus. To contact us or for more information, please go to www.thewellsgv.org.